Hi, you are listening to the Like Dragons Did They Fight audio series. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here. I am with the coolest guy. This is Adam. He's a warrior general of the Sons of Helaman program. And I met Adam briefly here and there before he went on his mission. And he's been on a mission, served a mission, and now he's back and all manly and doing things. And he's pretty involved in his life and also involved in strengthening and helping other people in their healing. And so I'm just excited to introduce you to Adam and for you to get to know him. So Adam, um, tell us a little bit about you as a man, as, as a person, what makes you cool? What kind of things are you up to? Well, like you said, I just got back from my mission. I actually was lucky enough to serve in the best mission in the world. Um, I was in the south of France in the Lyon, France mission. And that was just an amazing experience. I've been back about four months now and my life has just kind of all fallen together. I worked really well, actually. Um, I started school. I got a nice job. Um, and I... I'm getting married in less than four months from today. So that's just really super amazing blessings that have come into my life. Yeah. And yeah, and um, I'm just here just trying to help out in like any way I can. I'm just a normal guy. I like, I like Star Wars. Or I like swimming. I can not dunk a basketball. Um, <laughs> and I am just... I'm just a normal guy but who's been trained to be a good person. <laughs> awesome. I love that. And you know what? Just a side note. Um, I was at our company Christmas party this year, and Adam brought his date. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful girl. Like, just beautiful. And so, um, for lack of a better term, she was just so shiny, too. Just the way that she... That she looked and felt the way that just her face. I thought, wow, she's a shiny girl. And uh, so anyway, a little while later after the Christmas party, when he, when you announced to us, Adam, that you were engaged, it was like, what the, that guy is so smart. He's so smart. Yeah. So good. So anyway, it's just the neatest thing in the whole world to just be on the sidelines watching what happens to these generals and 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 I love that you said that um just it's awesome to notice when you're when you fight really hard and you do it for the Lord what kind of lines up in your life and it's kind of cool to notice that just is like the best thing ever so anyway um so Adam tell us a little bit about before your mission when did you realize, you know what, I need some support? And how did that all come about? And how did your, you and your family come and discover, oh, there's a resource, a life-changing services called Sons of Helaman. Tell us a little bit about your journey to that point. Well, there I was minding my own business. <laughs> and, um, so actually I was younger, I believe, or I was uh, just barely a priest or um, still a teacher. Um, but my bishop called me in uh, at that time, just like an update. 
to the interview. And I, at that time, I did have a problem with uh, a sexual addiction. And he, he was up front and he just was just seeing how everything was going. But that was one of the questions he asked. And I almost said no at that time. Um, but then I, I said yes. And then he said, he advised me, this is, and counseled me. So we set goals for how to overcome this. Um, and then after several weeks of still not major improvements, he referred me to a program called Sons of Helaman. Um, so I went first off, um, and I had an orientation with Maurice, the director of Life Changing Services. And that was a very educating experience. And then I... What was, what was educating about it? Um, he talked to me as a person. He found a way to get through that. Because at that time, I was a, a teenager caught in an addiction. So that's like a double layer of hazy fog uh, mm -hmm. over my brain, um, being a teenager and being an addict. So he, he was able to pierce through that and like really like make sure I was paying attention and like connect with me. And I've noticed that in all the clinicians here, they all have their own way of like connecting uh, through like getting to you, to your spirit that's trapped in your body, whatever state it is in. And I really, um, so I learned from that. And then I, after a while, um, and some discouragement, I won't bore you with the details, but I, I was in the program on and off for a few, for two years, actually sometimes doing well, um, sometimes not, sometimes not even caring or keeping track. Um, and then I ran the program again, and I did it seriously. And I made it to 10 weeks, and then 10 weeks of sobriety, or of no loss battles, as we call it. But then uh, I lost again. And at that time, I was working at a, a Boy Scout camp, and I was out of range of going to a group. Uh, that might have been a contributor to why I lost. Um, but so I had several months of, of hazy fog again. And, and then I, I came back and then I started keeping a calendar and going back to group and making it a more serious part of my life. And I made a lot of personal sacrifices to make it so that I was sure that I would win. And then I went right to 12 weeks and I've never lost again. And then I went on a mission and served there and helped people, and I was helped. And then I came back, and then now I'm here. All right. Okay, well, if you don't mind, I'd like to delve into just a little bit of details in that awesome story that you just told. That is so cool. Um, you, uh, you mentioned that uh, you when you were first introduced to Sons of Helaman, you had two years of kind of off again, on again. Mm -hmm. I care, but I don't really care. Um, so do you mean that you would, you'd go to group and then you decide I'm not going to go to group anymore. Is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah. It was because I had, um, like I was at, involved in a sports team and mm -hmm. also working quite a summer camp for, two summers in a row where you were there the whole time. Yeah. Um, so those things I didn't really, right. um, I, or I rationalized that I didn't really have the time yeah. to go. 
but those things did keep me busy, which helped a lot as well. But yeah. when the busyness stopped, I fell right back in again. Okay, awesome. So going back to group gave me that training to teach me not how to win only when I'm busy, but how to win all the time. Okay, excellent. When you say you got to 10 weeks and you lost, because one of the things that happens is people think, oh, I am on a roll, right? I'm on a roll. Cause, so when you got to that 10 weeks stretch of no lost battles, did you, um, was that the longest and first time you'd had a really big stretch like that when you came yeah. back? And, okay. So anyway, what's that like? And how did that feel when you were like, what the, look at me, I'm at 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever think you could do that? Like I was saying, I didn't really keep a, a calendar, so I didn't really realize how long I had gone. This is I know it's 10 weeks now just from looking back and counting the days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that, that time, like I felt like, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm going well. I'm making changes in my life. I felt strong mm-hmm. and on top of it. Yeah. Um, but slowly, like the dark side started to creep back into my life. Yeah, and when you, when you lost after 10 weeks – why didn't you just quit? I didn't quit because I had um, a girlfriend, and this is the girl I'll be marrying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same girl. And I, I didn't quit because I, I fought for her. And I, and she noticed something was wrong. I, was, uh, I wasn't very smart, and I didn't tell her. <laughs> um, but she noticed that there was something wrong. And... So that's really the major motivation of going back to group and seeing like what I could have become. Cause I always had the vision of awesome Adam and yeah. doing, and I had already graduated high school, not being that awesome Adam. I was like as awesome as I could have been. Yeah. Should have. But that was kind of that major motivation. Yeah. So she was the kind of girl that you would want to fight for. Mm-hmm. And she could tell. She could tell when you'd lost some of your light. Yeah. And did you, did you say you were smart enough to tell her or you were not? Which one? I was not. Not. Okay. Not at that time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, when we get further along in your story, if you want to, you can tell us if people actually survive when they tell girls that. <laughs> Great. You mentioned a calendar. That you'd you'd gone to send into Fahila went off and on for two years, had a ten week stretch, and but it was after you lost, after the ten weeks that you thought, Okay, I'm gonna start using a calendar for, for good, for real. And you talked about making a lot of big personal sacrifices. What did you mean by the calendar and your personal sacrifices? Kinda of like world personal sacrifices. I didn't really allow myself to have free time at that stage in my life. I was occupied. If I was not doing anything, I was out of the house walking around, uh, walking around the neighborhood or things like that. Um, Just getting out, not being alone, making huge social sacrifices, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just really keeping up on my drills and just making those changes of my life get, this addiction out. Yeah. Um, when you consider that effort, when you got to that point and the kind of effort you put in, um, did you picture that that's the kind of effort it would really take to 
really shift the pathways in your brain and make a change towards recovery that would last? Did you recognize that's how, that's how hard you have to fight? Yeah. At that time I did. I saw the example of the other, of other generals actually who had graduated the program, but then had, um, as we call crash and burn, they had lost after being clean for 12 weeks. And I saw that and I, I saw like what, what difference it was between those ones who, who made it all the way and stayed, stayed on top and the other ones who fell. And I saw like their motivation and their drive. Uh, they're moving forward as I like to say. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted that and I looked for that. I looked to become that awesome Adam that like I always like, dreamed that I could become. Awesome. That's awesome, Adam. <laughs> I'm like awesome. I say awesome a lot. And now that you've said awesome and Adam together, I'll probably think of that a lot. So that's an excellent way to to think about yourself and want to be. If someone were listening to this recording and they were like, you know what? How did it come out that you were, that you were struggling with your Bishop? But did your parents ever find out? Yeah, I did tell them. I told them before I even joined Sons of Helaman. Okay. Uh, I did tell them. All right. And what role did your parents play in your recovery? Like my father, he was a good support too, but I like to refer to my mother more in this case. She was the biggest support. She was that, that cheerleader. She, my mom's always been that tough love kind of mom. She let us make our own mistakes often. Like the main thing that she did was, I told her about my calendar when I started doing it. And I said, this is what it is. This is what it means. And I put it up in a public place. And basically she said, okay, I know what it means now. And that was just the biggest motivation enough right there. Cause I didn't want to disappoint her right there. Okay. So your calendar, she knew that if you didn't mark a day or you had a frowny face or however you marked your calendar, she'd know whether that you'd lost and you didn't want to, so it was motivating for you to put your calendar in a public place. Why was that so motivating for you? I didn't because I'd seen my mom cry before because of this addiction and because of my actions that came from that addiction of being disgruntled or angry or irrational just in general. And I didn't want to see that again. That's beautiful. So tell us a little bit about how how you got to a place where you became transparent. How How is it possible for a person who gets to recovery to actually be transparent enough to tell a girl about their addiction? Like, isn't that just the most dangerous thing a guy could ever do in his whole life? Why would you do that? Just as a general answer, I'd say it's, proving your point like a girl that you're courting saying like look I've overcome this and I know how to keep myself on top I know how to win Uh, I think that's from my perspective that's more attractive than saying I've never had a problem saying I've overcome a problem a knight in shining armor has never seen battle that's always my philosophy that I say Mm so so I was that knight in dented armor, if you will, who had seen a fight and had won. So, like, as I, as I told her, um, she was hurt. She was deeply hurt. 
even though I was doing well at that time when I told her. I think I, I told her at, almost before I graduated uh, from Sons of Healing. And you graduate at 12 weeks, by the way. And she was hurt for a while. She felt like she was betrayed, almost like she was cheated on. Even And even though this had happened a long time ago, or months ago, since the last lost battle, she was still hurt. And that was another motivator to not lose again, because uh, no one was hurting my mom or my girlfriend. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. No one was going to hurt my mom or my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so, so, so you didn't die telling her that. Mm-hmm. And you had the confidence behind you that you were, you must have known, I, I am a son of God. I know who I am. I am not this addiction. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because that's what, that's why that's so attractive is this addiction doesn't define me. It, it's made me who I am. It's amazing. Yeah, that's attractive to girls. Especially in, in this day, I think it's important to notice how, how incredible um, it is to, to meet someone who knows what the war is and knows at what level, what intensity one has to fight to stay dominating in the war and not be overcome. Um, it's a very safe feeling for women in our day to know I I have someone who knows what that is like and who knows what it looks like when we're under attack. I'd like to leave a comment on that note uh, to anyone who's going through this, whether they have a girlfriend or mom or a wife who's, who, who's hiding an addiction or the addiction is out in the air, but they're still struggling. Um, there, there's no greater feeling than having her lean her head on your shoulder and say, I feel safe with you. You are my hero. That's what I fight for. (laughs) That's excellent. Wow, thanks. So, Adam, tell us a little bit about, yeah, you, you came home from your mission, and then you got right involved in Put Me to Work, Life Changing Services. Right? So tell us what you're up to and what what you've noticed in getting involved there. So uh, a lot of times I'm doing just busy work. I'm uh, just helping out the office manager with uh, tasks and keeping things running behind the scenes. But also uh, I'm I'm on the front lines as well. I'm a personal warrior trainer. I meet with uh, guys one-on-one, help them set up their goals and give them a advice of what I'm doing, kind of like a a coach rather than a therapist. And Mm -hmm. I'm just doing that and helping them be able to push forward with that. And it's, it's working well. I've seen improvement in the guys that I'm meeting with. So that's a a real confidence boost right there. Yeah, for sure. So what is, uh, tell us a little bit about what a personal warrior trainer does. Like why, uh, what's your job? And why would that be significant? Like, what would, have, what would have happened to you if you would have had manpower and a personal warrior trainer when you were in Sons of Healing? Um, a personal warrior trainer is 
like the, like I said, a coach. He's like the assistant coach. Uh, your head coach is the therapist. Uh, the head assistant coach, I take the guy out and we just strengthen him like in the weight room, if you will. So I, we focus on manpower, which are six goals that we do each, that one does each day and every day. Uh, it's M-A-N-P-W-R. Each one stands for its own goal. Um, for example, PWR is normally pray, write, and journal, read scriptures, uh, things like that. Uh, and being able to just those awesome things that like awesome people do to try to help you win this battle. If it, you have a good manpower, then your battles are significantly reduced. So a personal warrior trainer is there to help them, guide them along to set their own manpower goals and then call them out if they feel that those goals are too much for them or too little for them. And then they're that form of accountability to help get them along. Just meeting with a guy who's been there before is amazing. Just really helps out. Then they have that improvement and they feel even more accountable. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. So what, what kind of things have you noticed about accountability and calendars and that idea before our interview, you mentioned something about just even using the things that you had learned in your recovery and sense of healing uh, to assist you in the work that you did on your mission. Tell us a little bit about that. There was a family, we call them eternal investigators. They do not, they, they love the missionaries. They love the church but they have struggles in their life like we all do but they they didn't there was a language barrier first of all um they didn't there was a double language barrier we didn't we spoke french they barely we barely spoke french and they barely spoke french so it was kind of like that but they were struggling just with the basics of reading their scriptures and missionaries were always trying to get them to come to church and things like that so that was harder so we started off by having a calendar that we put up in their house and we told the kids, every time you pray, you get to put a smiley face on this on the day. If you miss a prayer as a family, you don't put a smiley face on that day. Mm-hmm. So they each got, so then pretty soon that calendar was covered with smiley faces. And then after I'd left, they, the next missionaries, they upped it to reading your scriptures each day mm-hmm. together as a family. And then they upped it again to going to church. And then they were baptized. And then I had the chance to go on an exchange back to that same city and visit that same family. And they were so happy. They had completely changed. They read the scriptures together as a family every night. And they asked questions. They took notes in their scriptures. Mm-hmm. Even better than, like, I've seen families who've been members their whole lives. And just that little change of basically accountability to the missionaries because the kids wanted a smiley face. Just that little change right there does wonders. And just having that little piece of paper and putting a smiley face or a sticker or whatever, and knowing that someone else will see it really changes your own perspective, Mm. makes your motivation stronger. That's awesome. Adam, you mentioned when you were in your interview with your bishop and he was pretty straightforward, asked pretty direct questions, and you almost said no. A lot of people listening to this probably have lived that very thing. Why would you recommend that they, they just get it out? Because then you're free. The truth will set you free. 
as we say often. The addict mind compares discovery to certain death. Because once it's out in the air, then the fight begins. And we don't just roll over. We have an accountability system. Whoever we told, we are accountable to them. And then they bring in more help. And then that addict mind is killed. And that is why he's afraid. That natural man who's, who comes from the enemy, from Satan, he try, that's the biggest defense he has is secrecy. So just getting it out, opening it up, you've won half the battle right then and there. If you never tell anyone, you will never get over this by yourself because it will always come back. If it reaches that stage of addiction, you need outside support. So uh, you can't do it yourself. It will always come back because it's so easy to think, gosh, I can't hurt anybody with this information. And like you mentioned, the addict brain doesn't, doesn't want to go away. The, once it's revealed, then you have to go to work. You're, someone's going to know that about you and, and you've got to stop, right? And that part of your brain is thinking, I don't want to stop. I, and so what would you say to somebody who's, who's in that place where, you know what, I just have to fix this. I just have to fix this. I can do this by myself. I'd say if you can do this by yourself, then do it. Um, make a deal with yourself. Write it down. Next time you lose or act out, then you get help. If it's really just your own personal problem, just a bad habit, you can overcome it just with that own fear of telling someone. And then once you and then whichever comes first, you hit 12 weeks of sobriety or you lose, you, you tell somebody about that. And then, then it comes out. Either way. That's excellent. That's great advice. Before we end our interview, I just really, I'd love it. One of the things that, uh, tell us a little bit about Sons of Helaman Group and the Captain's Log questions and why that first question is so cool. <laughs> the first question, we, we ask six questions in group. We ask the first question most of the time. Sometimes we don't make it through all the questions. But the first question is always asked, and that question is, why do you fight? Why don't you just give up? This question is the kindling to the fire. Whatever happened the last time you acted out or the last time you stopped yourself from acting out, that's why you fight. You think, because I hate this, because it's done, that's why you fight. If you think of deeper reasons, that's okay. That, that's even better. But any reason at all is a good reason because it's that spark that ignites that fire. So as you, as you fight, then you, then you keep fighting and you fight until you win and you don't give up because you're a fighter. Mm -hmm. And when you say you fight, uh, do you mean, what do you mean by you fight? Like someone who doesn't know the whole sense of healing and lingo and all that. What does that mean when you fight? When I say fight, it gives that illusion or it brings to light the reality that this is a war. It's not just um, a problem we have. That we are being attacked by an enemy and he is there and he is attacking us and our loved ones. He is all around us. When we fight, we fight him. We fight, as the scripture says, we fight for our lives and for our wives and for our children's children. Therefore, let us exert ourselves, and like dragons will we fight. 
it's bringing that to light that he, this is an enemy. This is a battle. We are not the enemy. We have an enemy. And he's a monster bent on destroying us. But we fight because we can. We, we have that power over him. Yeah, that's so empowering, especially when you say we are not the enemy, because if you are in a place of losing battles all the time and trying by yourself, and then again thinking, ah, here I am again in this place where I'm just numb and don't care. I'm in the fog of the addict brain again. And, you know, and so pretty soon I know with my son, it was just a, I am the enemy. Like I am, there's something wrong with me. I am the enemy. And it was so liberating and empowering to know I, I fight an enemy. I am not my own worst enemy. I'd like to say a few closing words. If you have an addiction or a problem, if you're being attacked by the enemy, that means that you have the potential to become awesome, to become a game changer. You are a game changer no matter what, whichever side you play for, the the side of the savior or the dark side. And he knows your potential and he's attacking you because he's afraid of you. And if, for example, someone like me, a teenager stuck in an addiction, stuck in a rut, could overcome that and become who I am now, a return missionary, uh, a future husband, someone who helps others fight this same battle, multiplying my influence then if that's just what I could become, imagine what you could become. However bad it is, that's kind of an estimate of how afraid Satan is of you. If he thinks he has you in your power, he's wrong. You are a fighter. You get out there. You you confess. You open up. You start over. You fight. You show him who's boss. He's never coming back again. You punch him down to the ground because you're a fighter. And God made you that way, who you are, and the adversary knows that, and he's afraid of you. That's why he's attacking you. I will say that over and over again. Just like your son, you are not the enemy. You are a fighter. He's afraid of you. Imagine what you could do, looking at yourself now with your skills. Imagine what you could do if you were clean and sober for 12 weeks, for a year, for 10 years. With that clean mind, that change of brain chemistry, imagine all the good you could do as you devote yourself to recovery and to helping others, um, or just by your example even. Imagine all the good you could do in the world, just being a good husband or father or mother even, just carrying your influence out throughout the whole world and showing Satan really that he messed with the wrong guy. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm I'm gonna cry here in a minute. That was so moving, Adam. Thank you. Before we go, could you answer that question? Why Why are you fighting? And why don't you just give up? I fight to be a hero. I fight for my future wife because I love her so much. I fight for my mother who put up with so much. 
they will never know pain at my hands again. I fight to help others who struggle with addiction. I'm done with this. He's messed with the wrong guy. There's no going back right now. He's made an enemy, and this enemy will destroy him. I fight because I felt the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ in my life, and I want to share that with others. I fight because I am a fighter. I used to say I'm a lover but not a fighter, but that's not true. I fight for those I love, and that's why I fight. Mm. Thank you. Awesome, Adam. Warrior General. Thank you so much.